Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. So, <laughs> Laura, anyone who's listened to the podcast for a while knows that Laura and I both have kids. Relatively young kids, or, you know, yeah. they're not too young anymore, but they're still needy. Yes. <laughs> And we thought it would be interesting today to just kind of talk about writing as moms or, or maybe even um, generally as the primary caregiver for young children. Although I think, I think anything we talk about today could also apply to anyone who wears multiple hats. Um, yeah, absolutely. And who has to balance writing with a lot of other things. We're going to talk specifically about balancing writing and parenting because that's kind of the stage that we're at and what some things that we're dealing with. But I think some of, some of that applies across the board. Um, Absolutely. You kind of have to find time when you can, and there's always that juggling when you have other things that you're responsible for. Absolutely. I mean, really, it's that you have responsibilities that have to happen Mm -hmm. um, in addition to the things that you want to do. Yeah. And I feel like kids are a particularly unique responsibility in that they often can't wait. Yes. Like I can sometimes put off client work for a day or, you know, I can like juggle around other things or like, but a kid who's like needs to eat or has fallen off the swing set, you know, like you have to respond right then. You can't do anything about it. Absolutely. Or who wanders in when we're recording the podcast. (laughs) There's, there's a part of that that's one immediate and two so you can't always plan like yes sometimes exactly. like ah it needs to be it, yes. it needs to happen it needs to happen right away yeah. whatever those responsibilities are and it's almost like that those hats get switched off you and you're like oh okay now i have to go and do that and be yeah. this person to this person you know to show up in this way it takes a lot of mental switching you have to kind of like totally switch gears very quickly and then there's a gift in that. Like you kind of learn how to do that by doing it and having to do it. And you kind of learn, I think, to be flexible and adjustable and to not hold things too preciously, you know, because you just don't know when something's going to be interrupted. And, and those are good things, but also really hard things. Really hard. And, and it's a muscle, right? That you yeah. have to, you have to one, get used to doing it, but you also have to get into the mental place where when you're doing it, you're not telling yourself it's catastrophic. Like, I find part of the time that what I have to do is actually manage myself internally. Absolutely. Like, it's okay that Xander just walked in and he's talking over our conversation. And it's okay that all of a sudden I have to put down something in the middle of writing it and go do something else. And yeah. the writing will still be there when I come back. Like almost having yes. that faith. I think that that is such a good point. Like you have to kind of remind yourself that this isn't going anywhere. I, there is that like panic moment of like, well, I'll lose this train of thought. I'll lose <laughs> this idea. I'll lose this scene. It's not going <laughs> to happen. It's not going to be as brilliant as it was going to be in this moment. <laughs> if I don't write it night, right at now. Um, but all of that's a lie, really. Like, it is. You can find the thread again. Maybe it'll be better even than you thought, you know, like it comes and it stays there and it's waiting for you and you come back to it. I think that's important. What you just said is maybe it will be better. Like maybe you needed to turn on something. And, and I, I do think that whether it gets written down this moment or whether it gets written down in an hour or two, 
not only is, is it you don't lose the thread, but you also like you don't lose your ability to write. Like, right. it's not like <laughs> that just goes out the window because you can't get it out right now. I, I think sometimes we get so like set and this needs to look this way and this needs to happen in this way. And if I don't yeah. do it in this order or if I don't do it this, and I, I think some of that, as you said, that that's kind of just things that we, barriers that we put up in, in our yeah. way. And it's like, no, it's okay. Like you can pick it up and you'll be able to get even the gist of it. And you can always go back to it again if you don't feel like it came out the way that you wanted yeah. it to. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think, think we have these myths around like what writing, writing should look like and that writing uh, is this like isolated, solitary thing. You have to go in the room and close the door, you know, like yeah. there is definitely something helpful about having a quiet space and, and having a room of your own and having some place where you can get your thoughts out without being interrupted. Absolutely. That is helpful. Yes. There are times when you have to fight for that. I think absolutely. But also like, I think there's this persona we put on the artist or the writer of that isolation that maybe is a lie itself. Like maybe there is a different way to write and a different way to be a writer or an artist that is much more fluid and involved in family life and in and out and not so um, set, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and actually, I don't know if you've ever, I, I've been doing a lot of like free writing in my journal and a lot of that has happened just out of necessity over the last several weeks in weird weird places like my kids are running around dancing and I'm writing and they're like grabbing me every minute and I'm putting it down and dancing with them and and then I go back to it and it almost had this energy to it like that that I was I was shocked by and and I also did one during a workout where uh-huh. the the in-betweens of my weight sets, I sat down and I scribbled like a sentence. I love that. And then I, I did it again. And it was, again, it was this moment where I'm like, it was almost like flowing out of me that it was, uh, it was funny because Aaron tried to talk to me and I'm like, honey, I'm, I'm not here. I'm not in this place. Like in between these sets, I'm not here. But it was almost like, I was catching it and it was just flowing yeah. and then I was getting up and doing my thing and it was helping me really disconnect from the inner critic. It was, it yeah. was one of those things I'd never done it before. I'm like, this is amazing. I yeah. should be doing this more often and just seeing if it works. Yeah. Well, and I think that speaks so well too, to like, I think so often when you, you hear people talk about parenting and writing, you hear people talk about that. There's not enough time like that. I don't have time. I don't know how to, set aside time. And I think so often that that's part of the problem is that we think that we have to set aside an hour, but we forget that you can squeeze in a sentence or two sentences in between weight reps or while you're making dinner or like when your kids are running around dancing, like it can be something that you not squeeze into your life because that kind of gives this imagery, I think of restriction, but it can be something that kind of flows into the cracks of your life that kind of fills up those little spaces and you can get a surprising amount done that way <laughs> and a surprising amount of words on the page just by stealing the little minutes that you can. Absolutely. In, in one workout, I was able to get a full page of stuff written down and yeah. I didn't add any time to that process. Right. Literally, it's right. I'm drinking my water and writing. And, and I like how you said like it, it seeps into the cracks and I think there's something very, it, it comes out very, at least 
my experience with the words mm-hmm. it came out very just like as it came i yeah. i didn't have time to yeah there's no time to doubt it like didn't have time yeah to, to be like but is that really what i wanted to say i was just able yeah. to get it very much gut out there like a reaction out there and that can be good too depending on what it is you're trying to work Absolutely. on just getting that disconnect it can even be inspiring to to work that way like because yeah i mean i'm sure that your endorphins are pumping as you're working out and then that creates a different sort of mindset to to be writing in or even like like sometimes I'll be writing while cooking dinner and yeah. my son and my husband are talking and they'll just be talking about something random, but it'll spark an idea or like, oh, I should, you know, or we'll start talking about the thing I'm writing and that will spark some inspiration or, you know, like there's just, there's ways to find what you need, I think, in your, in your day. Absolutely. And I think creativity, brainstorming ideas come from the living. Like, yeah, we're not just like <laughs> creating this all up from scratch. Like it, it's from the living. And yes. And I think actually practicing presence, even even in those moments when you're writing something, like having the ability to like grab something and being like, oh, that's for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's for this. Yeah. At least maybe awareness or introspection of knowing that often that interruption can actually help make connections help that we may yes. not have made. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So here's something that I find, and I think it, it plays to what we've been talking about like I find that it's been super helpful for me when I'm drafting when I'm like writing the first draft or when I'm just brainstorming about stuff to just let that happen in the little bits and pieces in the midst of life the kind of writing that we've been talking about like just doing it when you can um, and not being so precious about it letting it be interrupted and I find that actually really helpful like not trying to even set aside two hours or, you know, like, or have that quiet. Cause it's just not realistic. Absolutely. <laughs> but just being, letting it come when it comes. But I find that when I need, when I need the inner critic, when I need to be able to yes. read a bit of work and analyze it enough to say like, this works or this doesn't work when I need to revise, when I need to edit, I can't do it that way. Like that is when I do need a room of my own and I need quiet and I need uninterrupted space. And I think that that is, it's been really helpful for me to recognize that, to be precious about some things and not precious about all of it, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest struggles for me in in that finding that time is not so much, because even then, like you can find an hour here or there of devoted time. I like I really truly believe that anybody can, even if it means less sleep or what you know, like you might yeah. have to make sacrifices, but you can find it. But I find what's really hard for me is that in order to find that, you often have to value it enough to say that it's important. And I like like I think Brian and I sometimes talk about how like how you spend your money is just a sign of what you value. Mm-hmm. And the same is true that. with time too, right? Like how we spend our time is just a sign of what we value. And so often I don't value my own creativity enough to give myself that time or to ask for that time or to make arrangements to get that time or whatever it is that I need to do. Like if I have client work and someone's paying me for it, I guess that hour. Absolutely. I can, (laughs) you know, like, but when it comes to finding an hour to work on my own projects, that's when that self doubt and that critic not only 
go to play on the work itself, but they go to play on my, like, are you really worth this time? Like, is this really worth it? Because no one's ever going to read this. It's not making any money. Everyone's going to reject it. You know, like your last book was rejected by how many publishers? And so why are you taking time? It's not worth it. Like you're not worth it. And that has been one of the biggest battles for me lately is to push back against that belief. And that's hard. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to do it honestly because most of the time I just am failing at it. Well, and with that, that's, that is, it is so hard because you almost have to find this intrinsic worth that often we are socialized to not necessarily value or even, even see it as what it is like using, you know, it is work. It is work that's valuable, even if it's just for you and there is that intrinsic side i i think it's hard to though connect with those messages without just having to kind of reframe them and just tell yourself why you're doing it yeah because i think you know we're we're probably going to be talking a little more in different episodes coming up about the why like the why of what you're doing and I think finding a why that then allows you to say, okay, intrinsically, aside from whatever this is, from a value monetarily mm-hmm. perspective, me engaging and investing in myself in this way has a value without a price tag. Yeah. And I think, I mean, one, doing it is how we learn. It's, yeah. You do the exercise and then that gain strength in your muscles and you're able to do that long term and and you can do it better each time you do it and that's that positive thing but I think it comes down to that having that conversation with you know like you did with your partner and I think both of you agreeing that it has that value to you regardless of what anyone else outside thinks because I I would say that every writer every single one no matter how you know how many awards how many like bestsellers (laughs) they've had to be in this same position they've had to sit in the same chair thinking that same thought and continued on and I mean I'm sure that there are books that we love connected with and are so glad that they're out there in the world that that author went through that too yeah and I think what's good about that to me is one, it makes me not feel so alone like, yes. when I go through that. But I think also like being a mom, your kids see you valuing your work mm. and valuing it so that potentially they will value their own, yeah. which I know from a modeling perspective, that's one of the things I want to pass on yeah. to my kids is that they have... They don't have as many like internal shadow issues as me to have to contend with about my value and about what, you know, what I'm worth and what my yeah. work is worth. Do you mind if I give a little anecdote? Yeah. So when I was doing um, lectures this year, and it was one of those things that I, I would not have chosen to do it. It was offered to me and I'm like, damn, I have to do it. Like It, 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 it felt like the right thing to do. I would not have sought it out. Yeah. But 
after doing it several times, my kids started recognizing that I was taking time to go down and do my lectures. So I would be having a conversation and they're like, where are you going? I'm going to record my lectures. I'm going to edit my lectures. Mm -hmm. And the editing was excruciating. Like that was hard because you have to decide what to keep, what to just release back, <laughs> you know, what um, there wasn't time for, was right. you know, maybe not said in the right way. And my son, um, he was like, he went downstairs with his dad and he asked Aaron to set up the camera for him so he Aww. could record a lecture. Aww. It was one of those moments that I'm like, what I do, even if it's not seen by anyone outside here, like it actually made me very emotional that he, because I valued my work in doing that he started to value his own and to see that he could do that like yeah. he was able to internalize that and i think that's kind of amazing that from a modeling perspective we can pass that on to our kids to value their own voice what they have yeah. to bring the, the work of their hands so that hopefully yeah. they get the value you know out of it they don't uh, underplay it yeah i find that so like that is definitely helpful for reminding me that this isn't just me being selfish, but it's me, you know, modeling something that even maybe for me is a struggle and that is hard because I do have all kinds of beliefs around that. And, and particularly when it comes to choosing that over choosing my children, because, yeah, you know, I mean, I think we both grew up in, in very conservative environments where like the ultimate of women's highest aim was taking care of their children and putting everything on the line for them. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. <laughs> and so I have lots of guilt when I'm not doing that. And it's helpful for me to remember, like, I don't want my children to have that kind of guilt when they go to do things that they love or that they're good at or that they're excited about or that, you know, I want them to be able to follow that passion without blessing baggage. <laughs> And also without having to face that judgment of, is this specific thing that I'm making right now worth it? Because we're not even in a position to be able to yeah. judge our work when we're in the middle of it. And, yeah. and I think even in the doing, whether or not it comes out and it's marketable or something, like even just valuing the process and the journey and what yeah. the journey of doing it gets us to along our, you know, whatever our goals are, whatever the things that yeah. we wish for or hope for, I, I think that has a value too of showing them that we don't have to judge everything that we do. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to, like, we draw a picture and mm -hmm. we're like, oh, that's a crappy <laughs> picture. I mean, you never say that to your kids, right. you know? There's so many things that I, I'm like learning where I wouldn't do something to my kids and yet I do it to myself all the time. All the time, yeah. <laughs> and I am working on really kind of trying to pay attention to that, like one thing yeah. at a time, identifying where I do that. And I'm like, mm. I can see how my kids' creativity blossoms as they feel like they can get better yeah. and I think reminding myself of that that you yeah. know it's it's that not not putting a judgment not putting a grade on it not like being like I have to make this amount of money on it just letting yeah. it be and and letting mm -hmm. it happen I'm working on it it's a work in progress <laughs> <laughs> I understand I love that so much that's so good well and so often like that's 
that is how we grow, you know, like kids don't start off. I mean, even like, you know, famous painters don't start off as famous painters. They have to they start off as kids who do finger paints and like, doesn't look great. And they, you know, like you, you progress through trying things and through practicing them and enjoying them and just playing with it. We don't often give ourselves, I think maybe enough freedom to just play with writing. Absolutely. And there's actually what you're talking about artists, um, uh, basically artists that have, are not professionals that actually showed, you know, at the age of five or at the age of eight, what their drawings looked like. Uh-huh. And that was like, because that is obvious. You can see like the skill, like the difference of skills. So they're like, this is a work that's current and this yeah. is what I used to do. And I think seeing that, it, yeah. I'm like, oh, yes, like you can visualize. <laughs> That's when you work on your craft, it gets better. Right. I, I've heard several um, actors, like, that Vanity Fair does this YouTube video of actors talking about their careers. Okay. And hearing actors talk about their first couple of parts where they're like, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I just showed up and started like, you know, <laughs> It is um, another great reminder of you get to mm-hmm. see someone who was, you know, level zero starting yeah. out talking about that first experience and how terrifying it was, but then they gained ca- that capacity, that skill. It's something that over time as they're talking about it, you know, it's a 10 minute, 20 minute segment where they're talking about different parts along their career timeline. It's cool to see how they talk about their work and how that changes over time. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. We so easily forget that any sort of artistic endeavor or creative endeavor, any craft has this long, slow build. <laughs> like, yeah. And we don't allow, I think not only ourselves, but even as a culture, we don't allow people to have that long soap builds or give freedom for that I think you know like so often there's this push to make it marketable to make it worth it to make it something right away and we forget that there's there's a process there and and that there can be even an enjoyable process there that has value not just for the craft itself as it develops but for the person as they develop completely agree with that and I I don't know about you but how I see different projects is actually like I, I connect it with the act of, you know, gestation and like mm. things having to grow and it taking that time to develop over time, whether it's, you know, yeah. you thinking of your craft in general or a specific project, mm-hmm. that there are things going on that you can't always see from the outside that are part of that development. And I think as we go through, I mean, what's really cool is I think recently we did our 100th episode and I was thinking back on old conversations for the beginning Uh and it's like you see capacity there you're like you can see that growth and that change over time and that even that layers of understanding of different concepts of what other artists have said and then all of a sudden it's like you get this epiphany and I think from a creative perspective understanding that that's part of the process is for those doors to just start opening in different ways. And over here, there's a window that opened. Yeah. And, and some of it is not necessarily just the output, but it's the input as well. The things that actually mm-hmm. change and develop us mm-hmm. in addition to the work that we create and put out in the, in yeah. the world. 
And I think kids are definitely something that change and develop us. (laughs) As they change and develop, we change and develop. As they interrupt us, we have to adjust and change and develop. um, So, you know, or a job or whatever it is that you're, that other, those other hats that you're balancing, like they, I think for me, it's really easy for me to get almost better even like with those things at times, like you're taking me away from what I want to be doing <laughs> um, or resentful or, you know, like, or envious of people who don't have those kinds of distractions or yes. those writers that can just like, Oh, I'm at a cabin for a month. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's great for you. Like, Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> um, it's so easy for those feelings to kind of creep in. Yeah. And it's, I think I have to constantly be reminding myself that these things aren't trying to destroy me or to keep me from the work, you know, like these things can be, tools even and, and gifts for that work that helped shape me into um, the kind of person who can write in any environment or the kind of person who can adjust or you know change directions or and the kind of writer who can stick with something even when it's challenging and hard and I don't have all the perfect setting absolutely and I think I think there's something very important there that when something gets really difficult and painful and it's that sticking through it i was actually thinking about transition the other day and about like yeah transition is when all lots and lots of work is happening and you're getting ready for giving birth and i think often it's when you want to disengage i know i know Mm. from myself yeah that's when you have to be like okay i'm here i'm doing it You know, I, it's kind of that joke of like wanting to go home from the hospital. Like, but I'm done. But, <laughs> I, but exactly. But I think there's but that's something when you're the close. Yeah, true. Exactly about the work is like yeah. when you're wanting to disengage from it is exactly the point where you're getting to like the meat of it, mm. the like the heart of the work. And I think realizing that that's when you lean in like that's when you don't allow yourself to disengage disengage that's when you need to be there like, yeah and I'm really working on that within myself when I feel that of being like okay this is the work this is when the work's happening I need to show yeah. like show up and lean in um, rather than disengaging from the pain and I think that's what in some ways I think being a parent even you know being connected with kids in in any capacity you know having grandkids having you know being nieces and nephews having someone you mentor there's those moments that are going to be really hard and challenging and where you're like oh my goodness (laughs) how do I show up but it does teach you that of the like this is the point where I need to engage, you know, where there's throw up all over the wall. And like, that's what I have to do my work. But I think there's something very good about understanding that we can lean in. We, we don't have to disengage from the pain. Like, yeah, I, I actually had one more thought. Yeah. I would, so for kids um, and being around kids, just in any capacity, the one thing that I've been taught by them yeah they are so unfettered i will say about yeah they don't have that inner critic they don't have that does that make any sense like and they they just come to something so instinctually yeah. and and they almost in, intuitively get the emotion of things 
So sometimes when my daughter is like telling a story or Xander is telling me something, I listen to how they tell it. Yeah. And it kind of gives me ideas for like myself of, again, opening up doors, practicing yeah. radical imagination where you're not so tied into like what's realistic here. Like yeah. you can kind of free yourself up for, to really explore what's possible. I love that. It's so true that we can learn so much from our kids and from just that open creativity that they have and that open curiosity and like those skills that come so naturally to kids are so important to the, to any creative or artist. Like you have to be curious and imaginative and, you know, to let yourself finger paint and play and get dirty and mess up and fail. And, you know, like it's good to be reminded of that. So if you're a parent or not a parent, go find a kid. <laughs> I mean, don't go find a kid. Right. Like, go hang out with a kid. With permission. <laughs> yes, with permission. And practice play, practice creativity, practice creating something just for the joy of it without that pressure to make it perfect or to make it valuable for others or um, sellable for others or whatever <laughs> it is. And I think we also want to encourage ourselves and all of you to just find that time for your craft wherever it is to value it to know that it is worth something to find what your why is for that and to let it flow into whatever moments it can in your day we know that writing as parents is hard and writing <laughs> while you're juggling other things is hard but it's all it also can be fun and it it's worth it still and so we just want to encourage you encourage ourselves to keep going <laughs> and um yeah keep reading keep writing Absolutely. keep putting your work out there the world needs your voice <laughs> yeah.